All right, here we go. Another edition of Inside Fitness Radio. And today I'm here with a special guest, a good friend of mine, Nick McNaught. Nick, how's it going? Good, man. Thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's been a little while. I haven't done any podcasts in a little bit of time. So when we uh, were talking about it, I figured it'd be a great, great opportunity to sit down and talk to you uh, about what's going on. So um, I've known you for how long now? Uh, Well um in passing like ships passing in the harbor i'd say for a little over a decade now because i did my first fitness show in 2010 the wbff yeah wbff worlds yeah uh out in uh mississauga uh 2010 yeah um i remember we were in the same room i think you were one of the sponsors and you were putting on the show and i was one of the it was my first fitness show and so uh yeah we kind of were like and we had friends in common definitely uh, rubbing elbows but i wouldn't say we actually probably got to know each other until a few years later that's right i do remember uh michelle you'd come by the office one time and she told me about this food company because you're you're always been an entrepreneur i guess obviously since i've known you and yeah. And you had a company called Fuel Foods back in the day. That's right. Uh, that was, when did you start that? Uh, so Fuel Foods, and it's funny because I actually started that as a result of that exact fitness show um, from the world. So I, I started Fuel Foods uh, that winter, uh, kind of around January of 2011. Oh. Um, yeah. So when I was doing that fitness show. That's uh, 10 years ago. Like nowadays there's lots of food companies and it seems to be the, you know, the popular thing to do. But going back 10 years ago, that was something that there wasn't really, there wasn't any. wasn't really there was out there. No HelloFresh or any of these guys. None either, of it. Yeah. Right? Like there were, was, there was meals on wheels and there were, <laughs> a, yeah, there <laughs> were a couple other ones, but they weren't really doing the, the healthy meal delivery uh game like you see nowadays where it's you know it's the market's really saturated back when i started there was there was only a couple and they were kind of doing the like here's your chocolate muffin that's low cal it was kind of along yeah. the lines of like weight watchers was was the closest thing i would say that existed in the market at so that time were you like a chef or something like that before no no <laughs> so I, this, I guess that's the one thing right like how did this come about like getting into because you went you grew up in in ottawa right yeah you went to school in ottawa or so yeah i went to to uh kindergarten to uh grade 12 in ottawa and yeah. then i came to toronto for university and then stayed in in toronto after university to get into the entrepreneur life so you got the fitness bug did a show so that when it just an idea came to you like hey there's someone should provide food like yeah basically it was going to whole foods uh twice a week to cook up all kinds of tilapia asparagus sweet potatoes yeah. and eat up you know a chunk of my evening twice a week and spend a, a exorbitant amount of money at the grocery store um and be like there's got to be a better way to do this than to constantly be having to go to the grocery store buying all this food spending all this time on it um and at the time i was also uh just developing my personal training career and i was like well i've got a bunch of clients that could also benefit from this and so in the process of that first fitness show um i realized just how much time i was i was using up to make sure that i was eating healthy and so after that show i met up with a friend of mine dear friend of mine since i was a little kid who happened to be like a well-known chef and i was like surely there's a way to 
cook this food healthy and make it taste good and have it hold over for three, four days. So you can kind of get like yeah. a couple of deliveries in the week. Uh, and he's like, yeah, very doable. And um, so we started Fuel Foods. And within like the first month, he's like, I can't do this, man. I, I'm too risk adverse. I need to I need to go back to like the nine to five and I can't I can't be risking this. And I was like, well, I'm going to I'm going to keep going with it. So initially when I started, I was the delivery driver, the cook, the sales say, yeah. guy, the packer, the dishwasher, everything. Um, and that took about four years before I was finally able to kind of sit back and be like, all right, well, now I can kind of watch this this juggernaut of a, of a company uh, operate without having to be on the front lines of it. And so initially when I started, it was like, yeah, I had to learn the, uh, it's funny, I was talking about this the other day with someone um they're like how did you learn how to cook because i was i was up at uh, my girlfriend's place making dinner for the family and they're like yeah where'd you where'd you learn how to cook and i was like actually like the first person i hired so when my friend ended up backing out of it which was still amazing and it was i totally understood his position and yeah. um but i was like okay well i don't i don't know how to cook like he knows how to cook so i had to hire somebody on the spot and i would use training sessions in order to how to pay and uh, I ended up with this old salt of a guy named Tim, and he was my first chef. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, he was. Uh, so would you it, trade him for for training sessions? Well, I would. I would, thing? I would be basically doing as many training sessions as I could to make money to pay for him to end yeah, up cooking. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he was also sweet. And initially, when I started the company, was was generous with his time and, and definitely worked more than than what I was able to pay him. How did you know you were onto something? Like, how did you f- figure that out? Within uh, a month of offering these meals in the gym, I had just every trainer in there asking if they could get their clients on it. And it went from providing, you know, meals for myself and for my clients to providing meals for 20 trainers and all of their clients. And it went from, okay, this evening we're going to make 50 meals to this evening we're going to make 500 meals. And that happened in a matter of, of like, I would say about 45 days. So I was like, this is Wow. really catching on and i was doing this out of my condo yeah and uh so because i was i was working out of my condo and uh tim was my chef and he's like this old salt that's 55 years old yeah. and i was this young guy that's 25 he's like listen if you're going to be my boss and if you're going to be telling me what to do then you better be able to step in if i need help or someone doesn't show up or yeah um you know, God forbid, like I can't make it in and you've got to cook, then you need to learn the rope so that you can do this. And so, and it's, it's kind of part of the, the food game that when you're in the kitchen, it's the chef's world, you know, yeah. it's yes, chef, yeah. Yeah. sorry, chef. Uh, and it was no different. So I got to understudy under him for about four years when we first started the company. And if he said, jump, I said, how high it didn't matter if I was writing the check. Yeah. He got to, he got to school me on how to, and he was sweet, but he was stern. And so uh, inside the kitchen, I was I was under him, even though it was my company. And that's that's kind of like how that all all began. Well, it takes a lot of balls to do it. I mean, I thought I mean, one would assume that you were a chef or you were a cook, right? But you had an idea. You saw there was a need mm-hmm. and you addressed the need, right? I mean, and, and like I said, nowadays, there's lots of these companies out there, probably too many companies. But when you started, it was probably the opposite. Like, why do I need to order food from you? Or is it going to be tasty? I remember when the first couple of times you brought over, I'm like, ah, I don't do yeah. this type of stuff. But, you know, I could see where it started. To, I mean, you guys were growing a lot 
at that time, yeah. maybe a little too much. Would you say that? I would I would say that we definitely uh, couldn't keep up with the rate. We didn't expand properly with the rate at which it was growing. And, and those first, I would say the first five years was really, you know, as it is when you're in the startup game, it's just throwing spaghetti on a wall and hoping something sticks. And every day could be your last. It's just the stress of like waking up and putting out fires. But it's. But I think that's the key thing, though, is at least you're doing something, right? You're throwing spaghetti somewhere. Because yeah. some people. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I've talked to a lot of. You're younger than me. You're about 10 years you know, younger than mm-hmm. me. And I always call you the young guy. And you're not, you know, not as young anymore. But now you can look back and you can say, okay, it's, it's okay to be a little naive, not knowing what you're getting into. Because you don't know exactly where it's going to go, right? Because yeah. if you look back, you literally were. You're making the food. You're delivering. I mean, delivering I, that would not be fun for me at all. But you were driving everywhere to make shit happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, that and that's just it is like it's it's one of those things. And I think a lot of people nowadays could probably relate, um, you know, just given like lockdowns and things with the pandemic. All of a sudden, overnight stuff can be shut down or you can't do this anymore or you can't operate in the same manner and it, it can just crush your whole business overnight yeah and in food stuff like that would happen where like a shipment just wouldn't show up or a, a driver wouldn't come in or a chef would be sick or the fridge would break overnight or all these things that could be detrimental on a, a massive scale would happen so you'd have to be able to calmly address the problem and work through it and it, you know it's a, an exercise in problem solving as you know and you've had multiple businesses when you're when you're in that startup game when you're in um in the entrepreneur game you're you're constantly just trying to mitigate risk and create opportunity and those are like your two factors constantly looking back and making sure that you're doing as much damage control as possible while at the same time looking forward and creating as much opportunity and so it's like you're you're in this phase of of like every day could be your last but also every day could be your big win and yeah. you know it's it, it is it's it could be it could be a ride and it could be stressful and it's just how do you how do you manage yourself in that ride yeah yeah no for sure i mean you're a very determined individual i i know uh when i met you i was like okay he's a good looking guy this guy is in good <laughs> shape and all that and uh i don't think you ever asked me for a cover but it kind of came up where it's like you know what this guy could be on a cover i certainly mm. look but but I, I i do remember i think we kind of talked about it a bit I'm like hey man maybe this could happen but you have to get into this type of shape like yeah you look good maybe at the beach with your buddies but to be on a magazine cover, it takes a little bit more work. And, and I yeah. remember you were very willing to do all that. And, yeah. And uh, and when did we shoot that cover? We shot that cover um, in 2018. I believe 2018. Yeah, 2018 in July we shot that cover. And it's funny because you're right. I don't think I ever asked you for a cover. No. Um, I don't think that's in my nature to ask for a cover, but I definitely below the surface always hoped for that because when I was growing up, I yeah, I had all the magazines, I followed all the things. I was I was so immersed in it. I grew up with massive insecurities physically and so there was always this drive to to be happy and to to look at my body and feel this like this sense of approval from myself and so to me like the the gold standard of that is like well the guys on the fronts of magazines are what what you should look like if you're going to be like you know comfortable with yourself if you're going to love what you what you have that you get to walk around in every day and so when i did start the fitness shows and personal training in the beginning it was very 
ego driven and very insecurity driven that I just wanted to look good. I just wanted people to adore me. I just wanted people to see me and look at me and think that I looked ripped and great. And it's funny because I did that for six years. You know, I was a personal trainer and I was, I was very, uh, like body image focused. And then it wasn't until I kind of found a more functional approach to health and wellness and like managed my eating and managed my stress and took kind of like this pressure off of myself and allowed myself to just make my body feel good instead of it needs to look good. And it's in that process when you're like, Hey man, let's do this cover. And it was like this kind of like, like this beautiful moment where I was like, okay, the cover didn't happen because I was, I was striving for it and I was trying to look my best and have washboard abs and all that. It actually happened because I was taking care of myself and yeah. I looked good day to day because I was living a more functional, healthy lifestyle. And I remember you coming up to me and being like, Hey, you look great. A little bit of work to be on a cover, but like your lifestyle now and, and the, the approach you're taking to health, I think is more aligned with what, where health is in general at the moment. Yeah. I, I, uh, my background for people who are listening, I, whom some of them may know, I, I worked at a bodybuilding magazine. So since the my early twenties, I was surrounded by these big steroid, you know, type of guys, and, mm-hmm. and that was the picture of health, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands for some people. And you know, when I started Inside Fitness, I, I never really wanted you know a big bodybuilder on the cover because I just didn't think it was it was attainable for for most people or mm-hmm. wasn't you know. Um, so looking for that athletic look and, and even the photo that we had put on the cover, it was you walking, it was more of a, this is a lifestyle thing. I do want people to look at the magazine and, and health and fitness to me. And I think hopefully nowadays, I think most people will say it as a lifestyle, you know? yeah. but back in the day, it was more, like you said, it's more ego driven It's more I just want to look good. You know, I just want to look good. I want to have abs, but how did you get these abs? Can you actually have functional strength? What do you, you know, what, there's gotta be more to it. And, and mm-hmm. I've been around enough bodybuilders in my time. Where I could tell you they they look good, but health wise, there's no way in hell these guys were physically in good shape. I mm-hmm. mean, there's no surprise some of these guys just dropped. You know, they died because they were probably doing too much drugs. Yeah, and it's good to see nowadays. I mean, um, when we put people on the cover, it's it's more of that attainable look. But obviously, it's not your person next door, but it's your person next door who takes their health and fitness seriously. So, yeah. how would you consider your lifestyle now? You know, maybe yeah. your your third your mid thirties now. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not too much different than, than a few years ago when we, when we shot that cover and it's, um, it's still in that same vein of, uh, of a functional approach where I, I eat when I feel like I need to eat and, um, I stay away from unnecessary foods that I think are, are laced with preservatives or, um, uh, uh, what's the right term here? Um, but antibiotics, things like that. Like I, I try and eat as healthy as I can. Um, and I try and do exercise that fits within what feels good for me rather than trying to just be like, Oh, I need to go to the gym, which you can't do anymore anyway. Cause yeah. there's a pandemic, but <laughs> yeah, you know, just being like, I need to bench this, this amount of weight. It's more like, okay, well I'm going to do pushups or I'm going to do dips or I'm going to do things that'll actually move the body in which it normally moves mm-hmm. um and i'm going to exercise in a way that that feels good for like how i'm going to go about the rest of my day you know I, I remember when i was younger i would do like two or three hour workouts in the gym or i do cardio and then weights and all these things because i thought that's what you had to do and i wasn't really listening to myself it's like you said 
people could look great, but they weren't feeling great. And yeah. so, it, you know, I think on on the on the stage, there was that that sentiment that was like, you look your best, you feel your worst. And I lived that and I didn't want to continue loving that. So now in my 30s, it's always about like, I don't care as much how exactly how I look. I obviously care that I look yeah. good because I, I want to look good. Um, and I think that's a product. I think your, your exterior is kind of a product of your interior. And so I've really focused on what I'm putting in my body and the rest portion of my body and the stress portion of my body. Um, I've, we've chatted a ton about it, but like stress, stress management and cortisol management over the last few years has been one of the biggest things for me in terms of managing my health. And actually like the greatest thing I've ever done for my waistline wasn't eating no carbs and it wasn't doing fasted cardio for hours yeah. on end. It was just actually like managing my stress was the number one thing I've ever done for like having a lean, clean waistline. And it's, it's one of the things that I don't think was getting enough attention and is now starting to get the kind of attention it deserves for what are the full elements of health that need to be addressed. And, um, we were just chatting about this earlier. I'm now trying to get into other things that also are biohacks or science yeah. that's kind of on the forefront with like breath work and cold exposure and things like that, where back when yoga and Pilates were kind of getting their heyday, you know, a decade ago, and all of a sudden now there's yoga, yoga shops yeah. everywhere. Now, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, now people are starting to be like, well, what's all this cold exposure about? What's breath work about? What's meditation about? Um, so I'd say it's actually now in my mid thirties that I've started to incorporate elements of fitness that aren't as familiar to people, but I think will become as familiar as resistance training, as cardio, as, um, as stretching, like these other elements of breath work and, uh, hot and cold therapy and mindfulness are all newer to me in my thirties, but go so much further back than lifting weights or any of that has been. Before we get into what you're doing now, there's this, because I, I, personally believe you have a, a you've lived a very interesting life because you went <laughs> you went from being the, the ceo it. i mean you're one of the owners of fuel foods and then that uh, you closed down and then you ended up working for a hollywood actor that's right yeah. I, I remember getting that call or that message going yeah i'm, I'm moving to texas <laughs> like what like what what the heck isn't going on and so how did that come about you uh i guess it's going back a couple was maybe three years ago yeah yeah, um, Zach, a great friend of mine and someone I consider a dear brother. And he uh, he and I met by way of Fuel Foods. He was in town shooting uh, Shazam and training with uh, our friend Kyle at SWAT Health. Yeah. And, and you guys did a lot with Fuel Foods too, with like the Hollywood, like the, uh, we, you guys had did uh, Will Smith. We did, yeah. Food, yeah, we did Suicide yeah. Squad, Will Smith. I mean, we were partnered with the Toronto Argonauts and the TFC. And how did you guys get this stuff? Like, how did, how did you get that door to open? Like, how did you get to, I mean, I've, I've just committed myself to like shaking hands and meeting people and, and always trying to be on, on the edge of a conversation and, and making sure that what you do bring to any interaction is like a, a positive and, and welcoming attitude. And it's, it's funny how far just being a good person and showing up, yeah. you know, and consistently showing up gets you when, when you're able to have like. A lot of people have good products and I think our product was great, but I think what, what got it into a lot of those doors was, um, 
was showing up as a person that people vouch for and that people yeah. trust and then your product speaks for itself and so so you ended up meeting zach and then he's like hey you know what i like you you're a good guy um shazam was going to be released i guess internationally because you had traveled the world yeah right? so he uh yeah he and i hit it off we um we were able to support him in his role with the food while he was filming and and we got to get pretty close during the process of that and hang out and play ping pong and uh connect and then um when he was going to it's actually funny he was doing a new year's trip in the the british virgin islands and i i'm always one for travel especially new <laughs> travel and i'm always one to say yes and he reached out and said hey man i'm going down there for new year's to to sail through the islands i was like well that sounds like a dream i'm in uh count me in and we really connected on that trip and then when we got back he had his shazam tour that he was doing and he's like listen i need a dude that's able to train feed has knowledge on this is is savvy with business can kind of be someone that wears a bunch of hats and yeah you know i, I think it'd be great if you'd be up for that and uh again i was in a place where i was like yeah why not this yeah, i'm always yeah. one for saying yes and so we did that and at the end of that tour uh he approached me and basically was like okay so this went well and i've got a project down in texas that's a ranch that i'd like to build out into um you know basically like a, a movie studio meets uh like a music festival grounds meets a glamping yeah. resort yeah. meets kind of like a farm to table it was it was and it's one of the most ambitious and one of the most beautiful dreams i had ever heard um and also something that i think would be really valuable and tangible and doable um with the right amount of time and so it's like I'd I'd love you to come down, move down to Texas, and and help me work on this project. And uh, I just continued to follow the stream and thought, hey, this is when else am I? When else in my life I'm unattached? I have few responsibilities, and yeah. I have an, a knack for travel and for for creating opportunities. That why not? Uh, and yeah, another year and a half of my life in Texas is just a, a beautiful dream now. Of yeah. Um, the just, wild west <laughs> yeah no i i had the fortunate you know uh to, you to go down, down there right. yeah. and, and help herd some cattle with you guys <laughs> that was, uh, that was uh, definitely something that i wouldn't uh, be able to do <laughs> too often or ever um and it was it was cool i mean to go down and see you guys were building and, and obviously outside of austin is a great area i mean i thought i mean if the pandemic didn't happen it probably would have taken off a lot mm -hmm. um, but yeah, definitely, we had a lot of fun. Uh, I wasn't expecting all that. I mean, it was it was my first time to Texas, and then like literally, yeah, we actually had to herd cattle back because there was like a hundred <laughs> cows. Or yeah, they broke through the, the gate. Yeah, I, I was just telling that story the other day, and and uh, that was a lot of fun. I, I want to do that again. Actually, I would pay to go right? down and do that. Oh yeah, that was that was awesome on ATVs and bikes or whatever it was. They had the dogs and and yeah, got all those those cows back back home. They were. Uh, Definitely troublemakers. Yeah, and that was just a regular, a regular Thursday for us. Was uh, it's funny the the things that happen day to day there versus a downtown condo in Liberty Village in Toronto. It's just yeah. worlds apart for what your day to day was. And you would know, you go I'm, back down to uh, Texas? Would you ever live on a ranch like that? I could. You could do yeah, it. I could. Because you're a bit isolated too. Like I, I get the whole concept, and it wasn't too far out of the city. But I mean, when you're there, you're there. Like you're by yourself, and you're on like 70, 80 acres, and there's mm -hmm. no one really around. Yeah, I could. You know, I do. 
I do see the value in in being close to a city, especially now kind of getting back into the the business world. And um, obviously, it's it's very doable to be remote, but there's a certain pace and energy to to the city that's valuable. Yeah, um, definitely in my in my the evening of my life, I could live full time on a on a ranch in Texas, and I think that Texas for me still stands alone as this this really interesting place where yeah. the rules are kind of bent and and life is a little different and there's like a real charm to it. And the people there are just some of the nicest I've ever met. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you're definitely an outdoorsy kind of guy. And mm-hmm. uh, I was watching you do some videos last year or so, and you were, you were jumping into cold water, you know, I, I like, oh, what, yeah. what's this guy doing? You know, I wouldn't talk to you for a little bit, you know, obviously we're friends and then I'm like, okay, what, what, like, what the hell you're, you're getting there for a minute. And it's like, oh, I could do a couple minutes. I'm just like, who in the right mind wants to do this? So, so you started actually a business, uh, with the cold plunges, cold dips, and it's, it's called unbounded. That's right. So how did this come about? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I almost every day I look back and I'm like, how did this come about? It's kind of one of those things that's just been a, a snowball effect. And it's fine. So we coming back from Texas because of, of COVID and the pandemic and, and coming home, um, spent the, the summer up at the cottage. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to spend winter in Canada. And I vowed to myself that I would not spend another winter in Canada. I escaped to Costa Rica two years ago. Yeah. I spent the last year in Texas. I don't want to do winter. There's no part of me that wants to be in the cold. You I see, hate the cold. enough cold. Yeah, living in Ottawa. Yeah. Oh, there. Ottawa is brutal. It's like minus 40. It's yeah. that, that piercing cold. And I thought there's, I just don't want to do it. Um, but towards the end of the cottage season, you know, late October, early November, uh, my buddy and I were still going for swims at the cottage and we were starting to acclimatize a little. And I thought, okay, I might be able to deal with this cold a little bit. And then we got back to Toronto and normal nature for me, throw it out to a bunch of people. Hey, who wants to go for a cold swim in the lake? And normally I do it as a thrill and as something that's kind of like a one-off and yeah. hey, this would be great. Maybe we'll bring like a bottle of scotch and we'll have some scotch and jump in and then have a fire. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's more of a bravado type of, of, of action. Uh, and about eight or nine people showed up. And what's funny is the dip lasted for about three minutes, but the the connections that happened on that day like struck me and it was it was amazing to watch total strangers bond connect um people had these euphoric feelings everyone felt amazing uh and it was apparent to me like in that moment that there there was a real community building tool here and so for about six weeks we just continued to do these cold dips as kind of like this growing community of friends um and then on one fateful day on a frozen lake uh, up in Havelock near Peterborough, uh, a friend of mine and I played a chess game on the ice. <laughs> and that photo went around the world. And it became like a viral like, it was, photo, right? Because it ended up on... Uh, every news Narcy, outlet in Canada, yeah. news outlets across the world, interviewed on Reuters, shared by the International Chess Federation, put out on like <laughs> CNN, every, CTV News, <laughs> interviewed by news anchors. Oh yeah, I had chess players reaching out to me every day being like, why'd you do that move? I'm like, I was just I was playing just the game. The, yeah. You know, I'm playing the game. It was already enough of a challenge. Um, and we did do it just 
obviously to to gain a little attention, but also to see if yeah. we could separate the the discomfort of the cold and still manage to think and use cognitive function to be able to manage our chest moves and strategy. And when that uh, when that photo started to go viral and all this this outreach happened, I thought, well, I don't I don't really want necessarily this, this attention is not going to do anything for me right now short of getting a quick 15 minutes and then it'll be gone. Yeah. Uh, and the, the entrepreneur side of me kicked in and thought, well, we have a growing community. There's a lot of attention. There's a, there's a demand for this type of, of exercise and activity. What if we are able to parlay this into growing an actual following around something right now? So kind of overnight within 12 hours, we put up an Instagram page, developed a company name, bought a website. Yeah came up with the logo and it was kind of like this boiler room of everyone uh pitching in and then you know the next day when all the <coughs> interviews went off uh we were able to direct everybody to this unbounded page that we had created and the snowball had begun and so that was about four months ago now and since then we've had thousands of people join up uh oh. we've been doing sessions all across um ontario we have satellites down in wisconsin and out in bc with people so do you train people how to do this like how does this work we are now yeah yeah Yeah, we have a a certification for people to become an unbounded instructor and then to go and facilitate dips for other people or to join up in our workshops what are the real benefits just to to stop you a little bit here because i know you you know what you're talking about here but like okay if i wanted like why would i why would I need to go jump in cold water? Like, tell me what's the benefit for me or for people listening, obviously. Yeah. Well, there's physical benefits and there's, there's mental benefits. And, and to start with like what my major drive is, um, it's that I get to at least once a day, put myself in a situation where there's something that is going to be uncomfortable and I have to step forward into that. And there's a real, um, recalibration of or like a rewiring of approaching an uncomfortable idea uh that happens in your body and in your mind when you decide to go forward through a stressful situation through something that you know is not going to be pleasant um and so for me the greatest benefit i've found is that i'm able to have these uncomfortable conversations do that thing that i'm dreading that i don't want to do uh, deal with stress in a different way because I have changed my relationship with that that same stressful feeling that you get by walking into that cold water and those first few steps are like oh my god this is this is uncomfortable this is this is painful how long did you dip for the first time or the first couple times like how long would you go in there for the first first few times a couple minutes then it became four minutes then it became six minutes eight minutes ten minutes and what are you up to now I've, I've, you know, I've never really gone past 10 because you don't need to even go past three or four minutes. Um, definitely when you start out, there's always this, this kind of like this number, this goal post that happens where people are like, oh, I can go longer and I can go longer. And you kind of try and chase this number, but really you shouldn't, it's not about how long you can stand for. And that's when you kind of get into danger territory is when you, um, you're trying to chase like a, a number instead of just going in, which uh, I'll get to the physical benefits, but those are those are typically done within yeah. the first few minutes. The, any physical benefit that you're going to get to your your um, your nervous system or your your inflammation or anything of those, 
that's done within about three minutes. And after that point, it's kind of just more about what, what do you want to take from that experience? What are you trying to work through in your mind? What do you want to take into your day? What do you want to sit with in your head that you're going to, to be able to feel better about or manage better by being in that water? So it, it's really about when you're ready to leave the water. And it's not so much about how long you can stay in for like at that temperature, hypothermia can set in around 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. So you're not really at risk of that, but you can have low grade hypothermia at 10 minutes, at 12 minutes, at 15 minutes, if you're not careful about how you manage that cold. So it's, it's something where I, if I was recommending to somebody, I would say two to four minutes is when you're always able to, to glean the benefits that you want from it and get out and do it safely. Um, and so for me, it's, you guys provide like information. So anyone who wants to sign up, this is where they could learn. Cause I, I listen in theory, it sounds easy, but yeah, I would be kind of, I don't know, I'd be cautious or you should be careful of how long you're doing this. And you know, if you're doing you should this, be very careful, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like not, you can't just, not everyone should just go jump in a lake. No, right. No, like, that, could be, that could be dangerous. Yeah. The, and, and there is, and there's tons of information on it. And, and where can they find that? What's your would website? be stay unbounded.com. And, um, we have a bunch of literature there on and through our member portal where you can find all kinds of resources on what's the best way to practice, how to go about it. And all of our instructors will teach you much like we'll teach you the process of leading up to it. There's things you can do to really give yourself an edge in the water, like certain breathwork practices that you can perform before mm -hmm. going in things with your hands and your feet and your head to allow yourself to maintain the right amount of body temperature, mm -hmm. uh, things to do as soon as you get out of the water that will help you with regaining that heat that, yeah. uh, in your core. Um, but so, so mental benefits, it's all about, uh, for me, it's about facing discomfort. And I, I say this ad nauseum all the time, but it really does change how you're able to approach things you don't want to do. And it makes you just a lot more open and forward moving through stress the physical benefits it improves your circulation it can improve like your improve your global inflammation uh so you think of inflammation like i banged my elbow and it's inflamed and that's yeah. that's like an acute inflammation but in your entire body in your nervous system there's global inflammation and it actually will reduce your global inflammation so i've always had like a bum hip and a you know a, a cranky low back products of yeah. what we talked about early days in fitness squatting too much because of yeah uh, so this is good if you have some like nagging injuries this will certainly help you it absolutely okay. can i'm not going to say it's it's the Cure, thing that yeah. will but it doesn't hurt yeah. um we have a lot of people in our community that have autoimmune diseases that actually use cold therapy to help manage those mm -hmm. um it uh, helps promote brown adipose tissue activity. So your body will have white fat and brown fat and white fat you think of as the fat that kind of sits around and doesn't really help you out. Uh, brown fat is what your body uses for fuel to warm up. So as you expose yourself to cold temperatures, as, as you put yourself into these waters, yeah. uh, your body will mobilize brown fat in order to heat itself up. So you're actually burning through fat and allowing your body to use fat as a fuel source uh, so we'll see and they've had a bunch of um, studies where uh, subjects saw and across all ranges from lean to obese people's brown adipose tissue activity spikes when they're exposed to cold water mm -hmm. um, and and there's a whole host of other physical benefits that are are uh, out there 
Yeah, I, I think it's very interesting. I I looked it up a little while ago more about the breathing part of it mm-hmm. because it's like if you can control. I, I was always fascinated with guys like David Blaine. You could hold her breath underwater and some mm-hmm. of the stuff. But then I, I think I saw a video. I think it was a Russian guy who was doing cold plunges. But it was like wow, like this guy's down there for a, a while. Yeah, you know. And, but then it's like it's the breathing because for me, I would. I definitely don't like cold water. I've tried it a couple of times, but then I just jump in the hot tub right after. So I don't know if that really is the same thing. Sure. And, and you know, you really shouldn't. Uh, As I say, is that a bad thing to do? Yeah. You're totally you shocking your system. Yeah, I jumped in the snow and stayed there for a while, then jump in the hot tub thinking I'm <laughs> Mr. You know. Cycling is a good thing uh, when done properly, um, but there is something and it's part of what, what you're taught uh, as one of the risks is it's called after drop. And that's when, let's say you were doing your cold exposure. I mean, if you're jumping cold, jumping hot, it's quick, quick, yeah. you're not really facing too much of an issue. But when you're spending a, a, a decent amount of time, like, like we are in the cold, um, what's happening at that time is all of the blood from your extremities is rushing to your core. So your hands will feel really painful and your feet will feel really painful because essentially there's no warm blood yeah. in, in your extremities and it'll all rush to protect your core. When you get back out and you're starting to warm up, all of that warm blood from your core is going to start circulating back out to your extremities and all that cold blood from your from your extremities is going to cycle into your core. And so if you make that switch too fast, and so let's say you were doing a cold dip for four minutes and then you immediately jumped into a hot shower, you're, you're going to send that cold blood to your heart at way too fast a rate. And then that's what you experience after drop. And that could be, you could faint, you get dizzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's actually best to, when you get out, allow your body to heat up on its own, whether that's move around, some sort of movement, some sort of breath work, always put layers on. And then after a point where you've allowed yourself to heat up a bit, then you can go have your shower or sit in your hot tub. So this, um, I mean, cold dipping start off is something that you wanted to like try out and all that. Now it's turned into a business. Now who all is involved in, in uh, Unbounded? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny. Uh, as as a result of actually uh, this business, I've now uh, met my girlfriend, yeah. uh, Lisa, and she is, I, I say this all the time, she's the OG of cold exposure. She's finished and she's done the, the hot cold therapy in her family for years. And, um, you know, you mentioned to me she's been doing it uh, consecutively. How many days? I think she's on 260, 275, somewhere in there. That consecutively, she's, she's consecutively like, has not missed a day. And I'm somewhere in the 150 range. 150. But, and your goal is to get like, how far can you do this? How, how long can you go every day? Because you're doing this every day. I'd love to do a year. You know, yeah. I, I feel like that's that's something that I, I genuinely am called to it every day, as is she, as is almost everyone in our community that does do the dipping. It becomes a daily practice. Yeah. Uh, but I just love the idea of of being able to look back later on in my life and say, you know, for a year, yeah, did for a year yeah. every year, every day for a year, I went and dipped in, in the cold water. And um, she's done years of this. And, you know, we'll be out uh on the lake and she'll be like, I'm going for a swim. And I'm like, I'm really cool. She's like, all right, well, you have fun with that. She's so <laughs> badass. Yeah. Uh, she humbles me every day. Uh, she'll go in and do double dips. It's just like, wow. You know, she's she's like a seal. She's totally, <laughs> totally fine in the water. Um, but she's, you know, and honestly, I think when I think about the community and, and about the image, like she's definitely the figurehead of the company and and should yeah. be, and is, is so engaged and brings such a, 
such a gentle fierceness to to the whole practice yeah uh, i'm great at, at bringing people out but i think that she's great at keeping people there yeah um and also just her energy is is Very infectious cool. and then there's zach who you also know who's yeah been my partner in crime on so many other things and he was very in Texas talented, with me. Yeah, very Just, talented video, videographer, photographer. He took some really cool photos of us like uh, down on the ranch there. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. TV. So Zach's involved. Zach's involved too and he helps more with the content side. He's mm. just the most positive, upbeat, you know, we all bring different energies. I like to think I'm kind of like the grumpy, silent, build the fire guy. Uh, Lisa's the one that holds the space and brings everyone together. And Zach's the one that like brings the energy and the positivity. And yeah. um, he's he's been so great at helping capture all these moments. And, you know, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have all of the momentum that's, that's really been something we've been riding with uh, sharing all these amazing videos and photos of this experience. And he and I actually got to sit up at uh at the cottage at havelock all winter and just kind of dream up ideas of how to keep yeah keep people engaged with various ways because it becomes it becomes you know i wouldn't say less of a, a dramatic practice like your first few dips you know there's like oh i did this thing and then you might have a chessboard and you might do all these different things to make it kind of special and then it becomes like well i'm going for my dip and it's just like going to the gym yeah um but he's great at at allowing there to still be this this real engagement and um you know it, it like inspirational quality to to the dipping that uh i think has made it such such an impactful movement mm. so what's next for you guys at unbounded <sighs> retreats retreats you know yeah. we're we're going to be looking at how we can can create some retreats even with with the pandemic uh this summer um Winter's a lot easier of a ball game for us because it's you got <laughs> cold water. Yeah. You got the cold water there waiting for you. But uh, retreats are something that we're going to be building out for this summer. Um, we've got sessions popping up starting now, kind of all over Canada, and and so hopefully soon in the states, and then in Europe, and and creating an instructor program that's global. Um, and that's really like our our big push at the moment is are those two things: is getting instructors populated all over in these these dips you know we've also joked about doing like a dip tour like you've heard of slide the city and yeah you know be coming to your city and everyone sign up and do a thing we'd we'd love to do something like that where it's kind of this traveling tour of come out and, and try your cold plunge and and spread the word of the practice well i think it's it's really interesting i mean for someone like me i'm always kind of fascinated with something new something different especially when it comes to fitness and health and uh when you think about it right yeah there's there's definitely positive stuff for your body and for your mind i mean if you can sit there and play chess for a couple of minutes while you're in, in freezing water, mm -hmm. then your focus has got to be sharp, and that and that's a key thing. I always tell I always tell people like if you get focused on something, you can you could certainly excel at it, right? So I mean, I could see that being a great advantage, and I, I think you're really onto something with this, man. I, I uh, Thanks, like I man. said, first thought I'm like, okay, what's he doing? It's kind of cute, you know, you're, you're playing chess <laughs> here and all that, but this is actually just some real you know legs behind it, and and I, I wish you all the best with it, and. You know, I mean, um, is there anything before we end this that? Yeah, uh, you yeah, you know, and and I appreciate that. And I think like um, I was chatting with uh, with Lisa about actually this morning and uh, and you earlier today is it's not in the in the grand scheme of thing when people come out to to do these cold exposure dips with us, it's it, the dip is two to four minutes, but coming out you might be there an hour, hour and a half. And what's really I think been part of of the real hook for 
people is that that same thing that brought everyone together on that very first dip, which was the connection, which was the community, which was yeah. the experience, which was doing something different in your routine. This morning I dipped with four new people that have never done it before. Yeah. And we sat around a campfire for an hour and a half. And then we talked and we shared about what was confronting for us for this morning and what was what was fearful for us and what we wanted to do and, and take into the water and how we wanted to approach our day. And then we did breath work and then we, you know, we Very went cool. for a swim. And then when we got out of the water, we talked about how we felt after. And then we all went on with our days. And that was all before 7.30 a.m. And it's, it, you know, the thing that, that is most lacking right now, I think, is um, is connection. I think people were in a world where we're more connected than ever with these <laughs> these phones and our our laptops and our ability with technology, but we're actually more disconnected than ever. And uh, it's not a concept that's foreign to anyone. But what's happening with with our movement with Unbounded is that people are connecting again, and that's what's that's what's really special about it is. How often can you say, well, I woke up in downtown Toronto yeah. and I started my day with like a swim in the frozen water and a and a like a powwow around a campfire. And then I went to my job down on Bay Street or I went, you know, to my yeah. to the restaurant or whatever it might be. You just don't we don't get to engage like that as much anymore. And I how often are you connecting with strangers now? It's it's people are in a state of fear and and they don't want to be around strangers like stay yeah. this far away yeah. from someone which you still can and you can still connect in this atmosphere so it's like we found a way to really create a place of connection in a time where it's it's the hardest ever to really connect with someone you don't know or to do something that is is outside your routine and i think that's kind of like the big if i if there was a takeaway before we we end this it'd be that that like what we're selling and what we're pushing and what we're creating is an opportunity to kind of reconnect with people mm. in a safe way in an adventurous way uh and reconnect with yourself awesome man so where can uh, people who, who want to learn more about this where can they find you where's the best place for them to start all right our instagram handle is at stay unbounded our website is www.stayunbounded.com uh and you can find us on Mighty Networks. We have a uh, member portal there, which is totally free to sign up for and get engaged with the community. Uh, and I think those are all the things we we have at the moment, but there will be more maybe, soon. Maybe we need to do a, a podcast next one where we're in uh, some cold temperatures. I would love that. See how long I could last. I would love that. I mean, hey, we can also do one where I'm sitting in it and you're not. I'll but... sit in the hot tub and you sit yeah, okay, in the cold tub. Okay, you're in the hot tub. tub and I'm in the cold tub. And I probably won't even last as long, but <laughs> I think that would be a great idea. But Nick, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it and, and all the best to you. Thanks, man.